Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. everybody welcome to a very special episode 52 of bruisers breakdowns and beards it is monday september 13th 2021 i am of course your host michael reed joined as always by kevin wk and the hair metal heartthrob dallas cade and then i'm very excited uh to have our guest with us today he is the the biggest of foots the gravest of diggers the human monster truck himself, Perry Von Vicious, is joining us. Perry, welcome to the show, sir. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me. Glad to be I'm here. I'm, I'm you know, Generally, when whenever we bring someone on that like we've never met face-to-face before or uh, been to like a, 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 sh- a wrestling show to scene, there's always a little bit of like nervous, you know, because you don't know if you vibe with a person or not. And then uh, I was fortunate enough to see that you had joined a Twitter spaces where you were talking with some uh, members of a, the NBC show community. It was like a series of podcasts talking about the show. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, we're vibing. Like, it's going to be. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was that was a really, uh, really interesting experience. I had uh, followed a few of them just because I'm a fan of the show and they post like some you know some some great like show related memes and stuff and uh i was like oh this this will be nice to have on the feed and then i happened to comment one of them is was doing a weight loss thing and working out and i commented and said hey that's awesome keep at it and i posted my before and after picture which is pretty extreme and uh got a message like pretty quickly that was like we have to have you on a podcast we have to do something and uh after it was mentioned in their circles, I guess all of the podcasts wanted to talk to me because they were like, there's a pro wrestler who's like in our space. What? <laughs> so they, they just told me, they're like, yeah, we're going to do it on a Twitter space. That way we can have like, I think it was like six different podcasts. I think that's what I saw there. Yeah. Wow. And they were, it was like their space to interview me. <laughs> so yeah, oh. that was really something else i was kind of i I like the idea i I think we've got one or two other podcasts that we're kind of that we've interacted with but i've I've thought about kind of snatching that idea of just having like a big mass you know like community interview and i mean we could we could talk about community too but so it's basically like a virtual panel right where like you're just sitting you're just sitting at this you know virtual desk and then everybody's just kind of like you know uh, except instead of, you know, people kind of coming up to the line with the microphone and whatever, they're just kind of like these uh, ambient disembodied voices that are like, so tell us about community. Yeah, it's like <laughs> some kind of dystopian media scrum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that description. I'm like, I mean, it's like, it's like great. And like, oh, damn, really? Damn. Um, I, did, Dallas, did you watch community? I feel like that's right in your wheelhouse. Um, That's the show with um <laughs> here we go here we go see the the thing we oh, run crap. into i i don't know if i'm thinking of the right one because oh, shit. it's it's kind of similar to like parks and rec kind of right except it's not a mockumentary it's more like who's in it there's that one dude i can't <laughs> think of his name <laughs> this is what i love seeing there's, 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 there. there. there's like think... five different answers to that one dude on that <laughs> yeah. show yeah <laughs> Well, what I could you be find thinking is, of a completely wrong show, but what's his name? Is I, th- I think Perry, I think you, and Kevin, and I are in the same age group, and then D- Dallas here just oh. celebrated his twenty third birthday. So well, I definitely don't know. What it's it like is all then, the right? references that, that we make. You know, half the time he never gets them. So that's why I'm extra excited to have you on, is because we make all sorts of like 
I thought it was a more current show than that. No, Sorry. it is. It, it was. It's, 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 okay. it's pretty current. Yeah, no, 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 no okay. it is. Yeah, it was good. It's just you would have been about. Was it oh nine? I'm trying to think. Dallas would have been about ten or twelve years old when it was running. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's definitely still on in syndication. Yes, and it's it's super oh. popular on like Netflix and Hulu because yep. I, I think it's still on both right now. Donald yeah. Glover, that's his name. Because I was thinking yes. of Childish Gambino. Yeah. That's that show. That is, that's yes. the show that got Donald Glover. You know, okay. Funny story that that's who you bring up. When I was in college, I was in a sketch group at UMass that ran uh, an annual like uh, like massive collecting of sketch groups from all mm. over the country. Like that different sounds colleges awesome. Come. And uh, his sketch group that he was in in college came. And like, you know, everyone who had an apartment off campus, you had to like kind of host people. Donald mm. Glover absolutely slept in my living room. That's amazing. Hell yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. We, 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 ha- we haven't kept up since then, but right. uh, he, he once sleep on my floor. Right. Man. Yeah. Derek Comedy. I remember those. I followed yeah. them. And I remember... Yeah, that's how I knew Donald Glover in the first place. And then I remember seeing him on Community. I was like, oh, it's the, yeah. I was like, it's the hip hop guy. You know, he had the keeping it real. Just like, just Dude. all the skits he was doing. You knew he was going somewhere even yeah. back then. And then Community just cemented it. That's crazy. That just threw me way back to like my theater kid days in high school where like we would do this, this big theater conference where like a like hundred, like a, probably like a hundred schools or something crazy because all the theater troops are small. You know, because this theater, is this is know. exactly like it's so nice to hear when someone else in wrestling comes from a theater background. Yeah, man. Because like I feel like it's it's a natural progression, but not for the reason everyone would think. Exactly. Right? Like, everyone thinks like, oh yeah, you learn acting or you learn kind of some improving or being in front of an audience. It's none of that. No. Because there's only one reason anyone on earth has ever become a pro wrestler, and anyone who answers any different is fucking lying to you. <laughs> and it's one word ego (laughs) and i went on the perfect path i started in chorus in high school me and 200 other people not enough (laughs) then i was in concert band me and 100 other people not enough attention on me oh join join select choir it's me and 30 other people we're getting closer (laughs) join the jazz band there's 15 of us so close joined theater It'd be like a cast of 10. I'd have some scenes alone, but it wasn't enough. And then I was in a punk band, me and five people. So close. We're so close, you guys. (laughs) Pro wrestling. Me, one other dude. And then I did stand-up comedy. (laughs) (laughs) And I got there. The, pro- wow. yeah, the progression is perfect. And then there I, was I, one. I, I, was, <laughs> I was genuinely puzzling myself toward the end. I was like, okay, where's he going? Like, how does it literally get smaller than a wrestling match? I mean, is there anything that's more like put your pistol on the table? I want attention paid to me than just you and a goddamn microphone. <laughs> right. It's just like literally just like the small stage. Yeah. Maybe it's the maybe it's the brick wall that says improv on it and then the spotlight. And that's kind of it. And getting getting my picture performing at the uh the hollywood improv so i had the brick wall with the improv sign Mm -hmm. was like the greatest that was like easily in my top five moments when when i was doing (laughs) stand-up see when i was when i was well i mean we were all about the same time when i was a kid like i remember like sam kinnison um i mean like robin williams uh howie mandel like at that time like i as a kid i wanted to be a stand-up comedian but as soon as I found out that people heckled you, I was out. Like I couldn't. I just. I don't. I'm not that witty. I'm not that fast. Uh, I could. I could totally do like a. You know, I could come up with a skit or come up with a script or anything. I'd be great. But as soon as somebody heckled me, uh, it crumbled. I was done. Yeah. It honestly, like, uh, as much as I should have been prepared for it, because I'd wrestled before I did. Uh, before I did stand up in the middle of wrestling, I'd wrestled for six years. So you would think, and as a heel the whole time, you'd think I'd be totally prepared for hecklers. <laughs> but there was just something about like, I'm not purposely making you hate me. Why are you like this? <laughs> right. It was so much worse because it was personal now. Right. Right. Yeah. Like now you're just this guy who's trying, you're, you're trying your best. And these people are like, now nah, fuck your best. It's not good enough. Trying to rattle you know, eventually, eventually I realized like I, I, I was never going to be one who had 
Hi everybody, Kevin here. Uh, sorry, this is a part that the program turned off on us, so I am joining us now back in afterwards. Sorry for the break, y'all. I wanted to ask, what was your punk band's name? Uh, so I was I was in a couple, but the one okay. that uh, was the most like popular, we actually played Warp Tour for a couple summers. Dope. Uh, was called Hydraulic Sandwich, <laughs> uh, which was a, a very interesting name for a band of all straight edges. <laughs> it was we, we found out after a week of playing together that the bassist and the other guitarists' um, dads had been in a band together when they were in high school. We didn't even know their dads knew each other. So we That's found awesome. out that their band had been called Hydraulic Sandwich, so we just took that. <laughs> just topped it. That's it. Great. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, we'd all pitched some terrible band names. Every band I've ever been in has had a terrible name. Hydraulic Sandwich is like the least awful name of ever, any <laughs> band I was ever in. Right. I've Can always I, that's like one of the most mind-boggling questions to me is how they determine whether or not the name is a shitty name. Because you know, I mean, they, based some on of them some bands, and some of them don't. Well, based on some bands, I'd say that they never determine if it's a bad name. Green Day is a terrible name. Yeah, yeah. Blink-182 is not Sum 41. These are not great names. Limp They're Biscuit. just names. <laughs> yeah, Limp Biscuit. Corn, but spelled with a K. Uh, yeah, definitely yeah. a sign of the times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I was gonna say he's uh, our, our 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 young our young friend here is going. Who are these bands? Right, I, he follows the hair. So yeah, yeah. Like his, yeah, I'm bless his musically. Parents, I'm a very old soul. Musically, I'm an old soul. But like the yeah, idea that any of those bands yeah. require you to be an old soul is absurd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're there. Yeah. We're you're, there. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I was but, I was uh, gonna say I was seeing the Offspring when he was born. <laughs> like i know that for a fact because that was that was the the americana tour was in 98 98 man right yeah so i was i was going to those shows so yeah, i was i, I, I was built. still pre going to my first like concerts as a grown-up at that point you know how there's like con like you you might get out to a concert or two as a little kid that you like begged your parents to take you to mm -hmm. but then there's like the first concerts that you choose I was right in between 98. I was in the eighth grade, so I wasn't quite okay. going out to shows yet. Uh, and, and it was a huge jump from like bands that I, or like the show I went to as a kid to like the first show I picked. Mm -hmm. What was the first show you picked? Uh, the, uh, the first concert that I went to that my parents were kind enough to take me to and suffer through <laughs> when I was seven I went to see the new kids on the block, nice, uh, which was amazing. Uh, and to be honest, saw them a bunch after they reunited too, <laughs> as a full grown adult um, and sang along with every song, mm -hmm. uh, just totally fanboying out and having, yeah, I was, I was like the only guy in the whole audience and oh, just that's awesome. everyone there was just looking at me like, because right. <laughs> at first they were, they were looking at me and my then fiance now wife, they were looking at us and going like, oh, that's so nice of him to bring her. And then when the show kicks in and I'm singing along and she's like standing there, like checking her watch, they're like, what's going on here? Um, but uh, yeah, the first concert I chose years later uh, was Weird Al Yankovic. Hell yeah. And, uh, and I stand by that decision. Mm -hmm. yeah. I haven't gotten to see him. I've, I've wanted to. And I just it's the, the, the it's never lined up right for me to be able to go to one of his shows. But I, I really do, especially now. I mean, I think he's he's only got a couple tours then left in him. I think. Oh no, he'll 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 tour forever. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I saw him on his last tour, uh, like a it was like a couple of months before his 60th birthday. Dude is it was 103 degrees outdoor show. Jesus, he's got a freaking accordion on in full costumes and stuff, mm -hmm. and just sweating through his stuff and never slowed down the whole show stage lights on him uh it was also the tour where he had a uh, orchestra every night so that was awesome nice man i feel like that's was that for ass. the which which song was that for was that the star wars one or no he always think there was usually close with that one okay but yeah, yeah that's that's usually his encore mm -hmm. okay mm. yeah I'm, i was uh, right right when COVID hit i was about to uh go like 
my mom and I were going to go see Motley Crue on their stadium tour, like their reunion tour with like Poison. And uh, I think Def Leppard was also uh, <laughs> on them. And yeah, COVID hit. Yeah. So <laughs> like it, a week before COVID shut the world down, I went to see Less Than Jake. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, I was like full on in a mosh pit with all these other sweaty people screaming all the lyrics <laughs> and breathing in all their breath a week oh, in yeah. in like in a casino in connecticut <laughs> so like it's already a filthy place and yeah. yeah like a week later they were like it's too awful to go anywhere and i was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute oops that's how i felt we had we had an AEW dynamite here in kansas city and then like two weeks later everything shut down so mm. yeah it was it was kind of after that i was like man i hope we're okay yeah <laughs> Man, yeah, Lesson Jake was one of the last bands I saw too before quarantine. Yeah, go figure. They were on tour it's, with uh, Bowling for Soup and Authority Zero. Good tour. I, I, I saw them on the Bowling for Soup tour as well. Um, mm-hmm. Man, like those those bands, like I, there's there's this rule that I think really sticks to be true for just about every, especially every guy, I think. I think it's more, more a guy thing. Uh, the music that will always hit hardest in your heart is what you were listening to the most during the time when you first started having sex. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I can see that. Anyone, anyone I've pitched that to when they're, when they're older, they're like, wow. Yeah. That's about when my taste in music stopped like developing. <laughs> like I just kept listening to those bands forever. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Can't Damn argue it. with that. Yep, that's, I can't <laughs> argue with it. I can't oh. argue with it. Never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> but the well, light bulb just went off. Yeah. So you're 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 still young. In a decade, you'll be able to like look back on that time and go, "Wow, that stuff really did stick with me." Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. I think that's yeah. Because when I think about it, how much my parents had me listening to Poison and Kiss and Billy Joel as a child like and now it's kind of carried over and i'm like huh <laughs> it was all subliminal mm. right <laughs> like i i get it now i like how you went from like what'd you say kiss to billy joel that was quite a transition that's a, right that's a transition the that's a whole billy transition. joel mark dude she will freak out for billy joel like it's still <laughs> 1987 she uh. will still flip out just as hard and she's 50 yeah. He 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 did that one song for Oliver and Company, and that's about the the, the only Billy Joel song that I can vibe with. Uh, I mean, there's a couple other ones that are okay, but like you don't I, even vibe with Piano Man. I, I just like, like I just like heavier like, stuff, man. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I'm I like, very. I, I like Weird Al's parody of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh so, man. I, that's wild. I hosted a, I hosted a karaoke, I hosted karaoke in a bar. So Billy Joel and me, I could use a break. Like it's been years, <laughs> and I still feel like it's been too soon to hear another Billy Joel song. Yeah, I, f- I feel wow. like in that situation, you walk away with a real aversion to Billy Joel or like Journey. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And the movie Grease. I mean, as much as yeah. I liked it growing up, uh, after working in a karaoke club, no dice. Yeah. Yeah, see, my my wife loves Grease, and she that was one she sat me down to watch, and I just was not. I don't know. She yeah. she's also you know was like a theater person, and I I didn't so like I the the effort that goes into to doing that I can't. Oh, dude! Like I can respect people, it, but at the same time, I'm not entertained by see, it. So I'm, I'm the asshole of, in that. I instance. was never I was never one of those theater people that like made listening to show tunes in my free time part of my personality. Because that, and you know who I'm talking about, right? Like, <laughs> you immediately had somebody come to your mind or a small group of people that you're like, yeah. <laughs> all, all of my aunts on my dad's side. It only, it, only ever, it only ever worked out for one of them. One of them became a Broadway actress. The rest of them, I don't know why they're still doing it. That's a lot more than most can say. Well, I was going to say, well, that's a pretty I, good friend. It should, be, it should be noted i was like statistically one of my aunts would probably be one because my family's gigantic like on my mom's side i have 17 aunts and uncles wow. all oh, shit. from okay. one set of grandparents 
Man. And so that doesn't include their spouses. So Speaking double the large in numbers. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then my, my, my dad's side, it's eight of them all from one set of grandparents. Wow. It's a massive family. Wow. Uh, yeah. Just, just like if, if it had been a different generation, they would have had their own reality TV. Show. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> a lot, a lot more free time back then than you just had to fill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's, and yeah, it, it, they, they didn't have the internet like we do these days. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, I felt compelled to like, cause like I said, we were, I discovered you through that community spaces and you talked about how, uh pillows and blankets was your favorite episode which i loved because i'm such a ken burns mark uh yeah. i i used to watch the civil war doc almost annually just because it was it was the greatest thing to like fall asleep to because it was just just so like low-key and and everybody's just talking these low voices it was a perfect documentary series yeah but, uh, uh, and, and i mean it feeds into my like lifelong love of weird al that of course my favorite episode would be a direct parody mm-hmm Exactly. Yeah, I feel you on that. I was I was always partial. Like I liked I liked that episode, and then it's a two two episode episodes. They... Please come on, oh, give it the okay, respect yes, it deserves. <laughs> I, it's, when you binge watch shows now, they they just kind of bleed into each other. So but the much. second episode, I think, is the Ken Burns version. I, it, yeah, it's, it's the making different. of is of that is fantastic as well. They actually like it's they they went into it. I remember hearing the producers being like you know, like five minutes into it, like, what the hell are we doing? And then like, a ha- <laughs> then like a couple hours, like after it started to click, they're like, okay, this is pretty amazing. It, it really was one of those shows. Like I, I was a parks and rec and office fan and was watching those. And I was late to community. It was, it was almost probably towards the end of its run before I discovered it. So I, I didn't get to really be part of, of all the meta stuff that was going on at the time the show was airing. My cousin, she was just she kept screaming at me to watch it with her. <laughs> Um, but so yeah, it was like all the, in fact, I think Chevy was off the show by the time I started watching it. So I got right in at the end. Like, yeah, like, I, uh, the, the, the show was actually recommended to me. Like I'd watched parks and rec in the office a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I moved back from California, uh, there were only a couple guys left from before I had moved away. I was in California almost nine years. Um, and when I moved back and got back into the wrestling scene here, I had to like kind of reintroduce myself to everybody and there were like two or there were three people left from my initial like class that I graduated with. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, Brad Hollister, uh, Jeremy Leary, who runs a Blitzkrieg Pro and Johnny Torres, who was like right in the middle of kind of like not wrestling anymore. But now Mm -hmm. he's uh, an announcer. And he announces for Limitless and for Blitzkrieg. So, like, you hear his voice everywhere on IWTV. Cool. And um, he immediately was like, oh, my God, you're back. This is the best thing ever. And, like, jumped right in the car anywhere I was going. We've been inseparable since. And he very quickly, after talking about TV stuff with me, was like, dude, you have to watch Community. And he hounded me for, like, three months on the road. (laughs) Just, you have to watch Community. And finally, I, I put it on and it was like, you know, the first two episodes, I'm like, yeah, this is a good show. I can I can enjoy this. It's good. It's good. Then I hit episode. I, th- I think it's episode three uh, where Troy and Abed have the uh, rat. They're trying to uh, train to respond to when they sing. Mm-hmm. When it gets to the end of that episode and they sing somewhere out there from the five movies, <laughs> I lost it. I was like, this is the greatest show that's ever been made. Mm-hmm. And I was like laughing hysterically and weeping uncontrollably. <laughs> like I was like, this, this is it. This is my show now. Oh. And I'd barely scratched the surface when you get to yeah. like, like the, the episode that takes place entirely in a video game RPG. Yeah. Like the, the Muppet episode. Like when you start to hit all the theme episodes later on, you know, it's, just, you know, th- there's an episode where they throw anime in randomly at one right. point and then never again. Yeah. Yep. There's a whole G.I. Joe episode like incredible. Yeah. And yeah, I, I was I was just like, this is it. This is the show. Well, and the fact that they use those like, I mean, of course, the Christmas episodes being kind of like claymation episodes. And then you find out that that's like a trope for for like dealing with trauma and mental health issues. Like mm-hmm. that, that was the that was when I was like, oh, shit, there's like layers and layers to this show. 
that I need yeah. to get. I mean, don't get me wrong, like the paintball episodes are are just fun, but then you get into like the real deep uh the psychological just oh yeah jousting I, that's going on. Uh I mean uh, Abed may be the single most compelling character in television. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like just the way he processes friendships and and like his relationship with his family, like and then on top of it, he's like surface level he's this pop culture obsessed robot mm-hmm. yeah like he just emotionless and just delivers his lines and then he's the deepest character far and away like yeah. that's absurd that's awesome i i've been oh go ahead kev uh, i was just gonna say i love that he there's so many things that happen in that show in the background as well that you have to watch a few times and there's jokes that'll like basically start in season one and then have their big payoff in like a no, like season three, such as like you know the Halloween episodes with Beetlejuice. Like they said the word Beetlejuice like the like three times over the first three seasons, and on the third time they say it, you see somebody walk in the background as Beetlejuice. You know stuff like that. And yeah, it's so good. Or when Abed delivers a baby, and it was, was all in the background. Abed and the baby. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that that. You know the the baby was consummated from the episode like earlier in the season, during the um, the the dance where they were handing out the condoms, but they had had holes pinned in them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, God, there's so many. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and start watching Community. Again. <laughs> Honestly, the way the way they snuck jokes into the background that you weren't even necessarily supposed to notice. It's almost like a thing they put in so the writers could laugh with each other, mm-hmm. right? Like that feels like arrested development which is like probably like my other top show yep and yeah just absurd like i've i've probably watched arrested beginning to end i don't know conservatively a dozen times oh my god like, oh yeah it's, it's a worth lot. it dude yeah the, the last the last watch through uh my wife Whoa. and i were watching like an episode every night before bed mm-hmm. and i had just like in my mind i decided like i'm not going to watch any of the story I'm not going to watch the characters who are speaking. I'm going to watch everything else in the background. (laughs) And that's when you start to notice things like um, Tobias saying out loud, like, oh, yeah, they want me to bring pictures of the family for set dressing. You know, these shows are incredibly detailed. And as he's saying it, he's opening a cabinet to get something to eat. And the only thing in there is one Starbucks cup that he pulls out. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, of course, because they didn't dress the set. It's perfect. What a stupid, meta, ridiculous oh, joke that they they make no show of it. It just mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. I've been, and Dallas, you're one to talk, Mister. Like I've gone through no Avatar a dozen. No, times. like yeah, that's one thing. Seven or eight is one thing, but a dozen. Well, right? I mean, I mean it's, been out, always, it's been out. It's been out a lot longer. I'm also not always actively watching. Like it's on in the background right. while I'm like making dinner. Or something. Oh, see, yeah. I don't do that. I don't like if I if I have something on, I am paying attention. Like, like even if it's not something I put on, and like my family and my girlfriend joke about this with me all the time. If I'm like walking through the living room or whatever, or like um, I'm going down the stairs and somebody is in the living room watching a movie or a TV show or something, whether I know what it is or not, I will stop whatever it is I'm doing, and I will just get caught in whatever it is and be like whether I'm trying to figure it out or whether I'm familiar with it and it's at a really good part or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I stop whatever it is I'm doing, wherever I'm going, dead in my tracks and I'm just like watching and they just have to like literally like pull me like, hey, wake up, you know? (laughs) I just, I don't know why, but I'm just like a very attentive uh, watcher. I guess. I don't know. I mean, that, that that's good. You probably would have picked up all the stuff I'm just catching now, like three free watches ago. <laughs> well, now, I, da- Dallas, now I know how to get you to finally watch Letterkenny because I've been bugging him to watch that for for years now and he still hasn't started it. Yeah, I've no, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot about that one. I think it's you know what? it's a good one. It's it's one of those ones where the humor moves so fast. Yeah. And, and like that's that's the, the best to the me. That's that like I the sign of like high level comedy. The, the clips that I have seen have been fucking hilarious. Um, but I think part of the reason why I haven't is because um, there was this, oh man, there was somebody that was frequently around in my uh, student days and fresh out of, you know, training uh, days as I was starting to travel and stuff. And that was like his entire identity besides... <laughs> 
besides like a whole lot of like very deep-seated deep-rooted unresolved internal um turmoil (laughs) wow and and this and it just just the worst combination of elements that did not equal a great uh concoction (laughs) of person you know and like <laughs> i don't know how to just put them out on blast really. damn but yeah. like I'm, I'm not gonna say any names but no you know. but and uh, yeah, but i will give I'm, initials I'm sure, I'm sure yeah i was gonna say if the person's listening they know who they are oh they're I mean, not that was pretty Trust specific me, they're not um, <laughs> but uh but yeah like and i don't know maybe it's just that i just you know don't kind of just kind of trying to stay keep myself scrubbed clean of all of all now, those, you know, kind of thing. Let, but Letter no, Kenny, the clips Letter Kenny is so much better. Amazing. Than that. They're really funny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's hard to separate like uh, a, a great, I mean, I, I want to say a great piece of art, but really like it's 2021. Great content. It's hard to separate great content from their shitty fan base sometimes. <laughs> this is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it can it can be a real challenge. Like at this Especially point, I just. If you're not in that fan base. Like if you're just an outsider looking in, you're just like, ugh. <laughs> Like I, I've I've been a fan of Bo Burnham since God, his so YouTube God. days, and I've followed everything because I was doing stand up right at the time that uh, I think it was What came out, and so of course you know that was emotionally crushing to me because I had to sit back and watch that and go great, God, <laughs> he, guy's a decade younger than me and I will never do anything this good. And then he's proceeded to put out two more specials that were infinitely better and direct a film and put out a book of poetry because I don't know, because I'm awful and he's amazing. <laughs> and I, uh, like the, the, <laughs> the, the thing, the thing about him though, is I, I, I joined, I missed, I made the mistake of joining a Facebook group. That sentence applies in oh, any gosh. situation. Ooh, I yeah. made the mistake <laughs> of joining a Facebook group. Cause I was like, Oh, it's a Bo Burnham shit posting group. <laughs> And I saw a couple posts from what it. What could like, go wrong? I was like, this is great. <laughs> this is fantastic. These are great uses of Bo Burnham memes. And then it was just nothing but these vapid, horrible 20-something girls arguing with each other <laughs> about who he would sooner fuck. That's essentially what it came down to. They oh. were all, it was so weird because it was like this, hyper like liberal everyone stay above board don't say anything wrong and then they're just objectifying him in the worst ways in every post and i was like this is gotta be what hell is like (laughs) (laughs) so i i proceeded to make it my job to just be the worst person in that group for about three weeks before i left (laughs) like i just anytime someone was out of line i just hopped in the comments and posted something just horrible hoping i'd be removed from the group (laughs) I never was. No. They were, you know what it was? They probably saw my profile picture with the hair and the beard. And at the end of the special, they were like, oh, is it, he looks a little like Buck. Yeah. Especially after Inside. Yeah. No, I I can't remember how. I, I saw Make Happy. That was the first thing of his I'd ever seen and, and, and loved it. And then the Kanye rant at the end was like mind blowing to me. And I've, I, have annoyed my wife ever since because I'll just randomly throw on make happy and just, especially when I get to that. And I just, I, there's something mesmerizing about that Kanye rant that just sticks in in your head. And then, yeah, inside I had to watch the first time I watched inside, which granted and, and not to get too deep into it, but I was, I was recovering from, from cancer surgery and was in like a weird place when I watched it inside. So the first time I watched it was this very like, like it, it didn't hit, funny it, it like i it was just kind of like everything with a pandemic it just hit weird uh yeah. but uh on subsequent watch throughs like i've i've been able to laugh at it now uh and that's another one i've been trying to get i think kevin 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 you haven't no you did watch it dallas you haven't watched it no or am i flipping it. that Flip okay it. I, haven't, it. I haven't seen i it actually ever. just recently finally saw it for the first time because uh, my brother saw it when it came out because he's been he was into Bo Burnham. I can't one of his uh, previous uh, specials he had he had watched and he got me to watch it and it was super hilarious. I don't remember which one it was, um, but then he was like, "Yeah, he just did a new one. He did uh, and like a bunch of like the 
songs ended up on like TikTok and stuff. So like very, very prevalent in, you know, young person social media spaces and stuff. And some of the things that I'd heard about like, oh, you know, like it's it's trippy, it hits you weird, like it's funny, but then it gets crazy and shit like that. I was just kind of like, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. <laughs> and then like after he finally watched it, he was start he was like hounding me and my little brother. He was like, You gotta watch it. And then I finally did like uh probably two weeks ago ish, something like that. And uh it it was really funny at times and then there were other times where i was like why is this in here you know like it it was so different and i i didn't know what to make of it by the end and i was like i don't know if i'm gonna watch this again because i don't know how much deeper i want to dive into what this is and stuff but yeah it was interesting he is a incredibly creative dude yeah, I, I kind of view it as like the logical next step from like comedians like uh, like Mark Maron or Maria Bamford, who their material often deals with their own like mental illness and like the, the traumas that they've endured. And what he's doing is like this introspective and, and deep and, and troubling at times mm. take on that, where there's always there's always that sort of backbone of comedy in there. But it's not like, you know, it's, it's not what's being presented. What's being presented is here's the damage that's been done to me and how right. I've coped with it. Yeah, and I think I, I will say that special is the reason that all this weird lighting is like this down here. Like <laughs> I've got like all the way over into the gym. I have like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's also my promo studio on the on the opposite wall here. I have a green screen, so. Nice. Dude, I've been trying so bad to come up with a way to like get something like that set up around here where I'm just like, ah, oh, there's got there's got to be the right space and it's got to look right and there's got to be big enough and I just yeah, but that's yeah. Yeah, I mean my 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 experience with that cuz for a long time I was booked only because I had funny promos and stuff on YouTube. Like there were entire companies and it was in an era where that wasn't common. It was like 2011. Oh, wow. There were companies that were like, hey, we saw you do some stuff on YouTube. Are you available? And they would give me some dates. Uh, the curb. I, I, I really like uh, I was I was a very early wrestler on Twitter. I joined Twitter in like the first couple of months of 2009. And uh, just there were no other wrestlers. I was just interacting with celebrities because <laughs> <laughs> that was they were the only people there. Um but yeah, uh, having having a studio has been really nice. But I mean, for a long time, I was just like, you know what? Especially since I was doing like a one of those dumb carny rich snob gimmicks, uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make one corner of the living room look really nice, and that's where I'll cut promos. <laughs> I'll just point the camera there, and I don't have to take it down when I'm done. It can just look like that. Yep, that's the trick. I mean, Dallas, all you really have to do is throw up like an Aussie poster, some like, you know, Steven Tyler scarves or something. You'd be set. <laughs> yeah, stop, stop by a flea market and buy a bunch of old guitar magazines and then just rip out random pages and you can switch Perfect. them all around every time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm all about doing it on the cheap. When I was yeah. that rich snob gimmick, I had one tearaway suit I wore to the ring for 10 years <laughs> and it came from the Salvation Army. Mm, I had to awesome. have that taken to people. Awesome. Like, so, so I was, I was a, big fat guy when i started i was 300 pounds uh and then in 2010 i lost 110 pounds in 10 months congratulations wow. uh, yeah it was a lot of work uh, but yeah. i was too skinny at that point 190 on six foot three is a little extreme mm -hmm. uh now i'm comfortably closer to like 230 240 um yeah. but uh i had to have like that suit taken in <laughs> and then I like as I started to like lift and put on some muscle, I had to have like parts of it taken out. <laughs> and then like very conveniently, right around the time I got like, you know, the weight training really started to pay off and my shoulders and chest got bigger. I was like, I'm dropping the rich guy gimmick altogether. Right. <laughs> it's just at the right time. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I I wanted to ask, like you I've seen you post a lot of like jump rope videos, and I don't feel like a lot of people do jump rope anymore. So yeah. I was going to ask you, like, what's your boxers? That's yeah. like, that's, that, that's mainly because they do it for like footwork and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, got to stay really light on your feet. 
foot, footwork and coordination. And uh, honestly, for me, it's the same thing. Like, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not as young as I was when I started. And, and uh, if I want to be spry and move like anyone else on the show, like I'm, I'm so lucky. I've yet to be on a show where I'm the oldest person on the show but it's always close <laughs> one or two people older it's than me. Eminent. It's like, yeah, like I'm because I, I turned 37 in July. So like, it's getting closer. I'm getting closer. And, uh, but fortunately, you know, it's also like only in the last few years, did I really start like doing stuff in my mm. matches? I was trained with that, like kind of awful, like old school mentality. Like, Oh, the less you do, yeah, the less you do, the better the match. Just tell a story. And really, now what I realize, it was a bunch of like hokey, carny local vets who didn't want me to take their spot. Yep. And I'm a little bitter about it. (laughs) Um, Fortunately, none of them are involved in the industry anymore. So fuck them. Uh, (laughs) Fuck them. Hell yeah. Uh, But yeah, in the last few years, it was like I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing some dives. I'm gonna throw a moon salt once in a while. You know, first first time I ever did a moonsault was in front of an audience. I, they didn't train us. I didn't even try it. Yeah, wow. I'd never tried okay, it. I cool. was like, I was like, how hard can it be? It's just a backflip. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm and I'm all the. I was doing it from the top rope. I'm like, I'm all the way up here. What could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> what could what could go wrong? I'm just six foot three and two hundred and forty pounds. It seems like a natural fit for me to do a backflip at age thirty five. <laughs> um, it went fine. <laughs> sounds about right good good yeah uh but then i also like it was it was around that time that i also like the like i say the weight training started paying off so i started like i very quickly transitioned from throwing myself at opponents to just throwing opponents yep uh <laughs> which is real nice uh mm-hmm. I, I don't feel sore from a lot of bumping <laughs> right uh, yeah that's you know the, the only problem is then like you know once you once you put on some size and get big everyone wants to put you with another big guy to do a hoss fight oh, yeah. and it's like that. great like i can pick him up and throw him but it's gonna look like shit right like, yeah give me someone i can show off well, how about this little lucha guy over here he <laughs> looks yeah. he looks aerodynamic oh my um, god boy do i have a gift for you <laughs> <laughs> well and, and what was what was nice is i came back here um, I've actually had the, the the privilege of being able to sort of help train some folks who wanted to work a style that didn't, you couldn't get trained on it out here. You know, mm-hmm. Northeast New England, all the training over the years started from Canada. And so mm. it's all like technical. It's all, it's yeah. Bret Hart. Everything here is Bret Hart training. And so all these smaller wrestlers wanted to do Lucha. Well, the first thing that happened when I moved to California was the trainer took one look at me big round guy and said you could be a hell of a base for the luchadors <laughs> and that was it he's like we're going to teach you to base for everything and if you want i can teach you to give all that stuff too but i don't see why you would and i was like yeah i want to do that <laughs> it was like suddenly i'm doing like step up ranas and like flying head scissors at 300 pounds man and now i can i can base for anyone on that stuff so when i got out here um people like the sea stars um ashley you know, could do a little lucha because she'd been down with the Chikara crew and there was some of that training, but like, you know, she wasn't really training there. She lived in Rhode Island. It was, you know, she wasn't down there all the time. So when I started training, I, I, I won't take credit for training them, but training with them, we basically found a place where there was an open ring a couple nights a week mm-hmm. yep. and we would go and it would be me and Rip Bison and the Sea Stars and that was it. And so it was basically like me and family, like the three of them are basically family with me mm-hmm. and we would go and train and Ashley would say like, Oh, I've always wanted to do like a, this, this head scissors out of the corner spot. And she'd like pull up a GIF and show me, I go, Oh yeah, that's super easy. That's all on the other guy. You don't even have to do anything. And she'd look confused. And she, uh, I remember very specifically, she told me, but I have to hop over the top rope for that. I can't do that. And I was like, the hell you can't, everybody does it. And she goes, yeah, but I'm only five foot tall. <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't matter. So I just showed her how to do it. And on the first try, of course, she gets it like nothing. And, you know, that's uh, again, I, I put that on them being young and spry. Get <laughs> <laughs> everything on the first try if you're in your 20s. Yeah. They're the I I was so excited well, when I got to uh, see them. Not and everything, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, I was I was like stupid lucky when I started training. I had done no athletics, full stop. 
Huh. Like, unless you count like little league baseball when I was like a preteen. Other than that, no athletics at all. Wow. And I got everything on the first try from the first day I started training to the day I moved to California to the point where it infuriated some of the trainers in a very like loving, joking way where they were like, oh, just yeah. fuck this guy. How can he do this shit? He looks we like an overstuffed sleeping shit. bag. <laughs> I, I've me and a couple other guys that are around the same class as me. Like we all came up together less me than them, but they get the same shit constantly. Like even from me, like I'm getting it now where like I see them and they're all fucking jacked and athletic and they're doing all this shit that I can't. Cause I'm, you know, big and uncoordinated and I'm just like, man, fuck you, dude. Like, come on. You got to do that here in front of me. You can't wait until I'm, my back is turned. You know, no, what, what I always enjoyed was whenever we got an athlete who came in, they couldn't do anything. Ah. They were like, they were like so taught, like playing football and stuff to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And then you would try to get them to bump and that was it. They'd blow their elbows out every time or Ooh. you know, they'd, doing even doing like forward rolls they just tucking the head wasn't natural to them and they would all just they would go yeah i can do it and it's it's a somersault little kids do it every day Mm -hmm. and they would go to do a somersault and just head to the mat face (laughs) plant yeah it's just incredible because you know these are guys who should be amazing athletes but they were completely uncoachable and uh, so like afraid to hurt themselves and then those of us from a theater background who had no training but still had to essentially take bumps on a hardwood floor were like, yeah, sure, what could go wrong? And we just like the moonsault. What could go we wrong? just like accept it. Acceptance. Yeah. It's the rule of improv. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah, I uh that's so that's kind of interesting because like I, I hear a lot of parallels in training experiences because I'm I'm like virtually the same exact size as you. Um like I'm six four. I'm you know, Two forty. <laughs> right yeah you know um and i started training in it j- july of 2018 was my first day and um i was there for about nine months before the school abruptly closed down uh it was run by a company that also had like weekly television so we were getting like taught about tv production you know uh locker room etiquette like we got a ton of stuff and then like out of town like Whenever they would bring somebody like um, like Ace Steel came to TVs, he was like pretty. He was like a regular, so we got to talk to him uh, pretty often. Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name, uh, but we had guys. I, I can't remember his name. I'll get back to him. Uh, we had guys like Jimmy Jacobs, Eddie Kingston. Um, you know, guys that would from yeah once in a while just to like you know make an appearance on tv and we get to talk to him uh mike quackenbush did a seminar at the mm-hmm. school or or like before tv and uh like yeah we got to learn from a ton of those guys and guys that had been around the country and wwe impact ring of honor um that's amazing so we it, it really was i i like they would always tell us how spoiled we were but of course we didn't know like we didn't get it and then almost immediately after hitting the road i was like oh oh this is what they meant <laughs> yeah like the the school i trained at was a bunch of guys who no one has ever heard their name before uh with one exception uh antonio thomas who was one half of the heart throbs on wwe and uh now wrestles as thomas santel and does like beyond and stuff mm, okay uh, oh yeah he'd be the only one anyone would know the rest of them had never been anywhere other than local shows. And uh, we were in a horrible like warehouse that had to have been made mostly of asbestos, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the asbestos was doing nothing to insulate us because it was always 10 degrees colder in there than it was outside in the winter and 10 degrees hotter in there than it was outside in the summer. Best way to be. Um, and we definitely came in one day and discovered that someone had opened the um, vent windows at the top. So we had to shovel snow out of the ring before we could start training. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, so it was not good. It was not good. Oh, no. Um, and no, we didn't have guest trainers. We had <laughs> the four local guys that no one's ever heard of um, who to their credit uh, gave us all the basics we were able to go out and have solid matches and be safe. But if someone called anything 
interesting in a match. <laughs> we, it was always something we'd never heard of or done. Like to, mm -hmm. to give an example, our head trainer, the guy who owned the school, uh, when he would, he would, you know, once in a while you get a trainer who says, well, it's, is there anything else anyone wants to learn? Anything anyone wants to see? And a kid said, yeah, I want to learn a pile driver. And he goes, oh yeah, I can tell you how to take a pile driver. Just tell them no. And he just walked away. And that was the end of class. We were never taught pile drivers, never taught pile drivers, never taught power bombs, never taught anything off the top rope. Uh, dives were unheard of. Why would anyone do a dive? Why would you throw yourself? You could get hurt. That's not how you win a match. Cool. Yeah. Um, but it was also like, you know, we were so in a pre, we were still in web 2.0, right? Mm -hmm. We were still in the era where social media existed, but it wasn't the thing online. It wasn't where culture lived. Right. And um, when I watch wrestlers now, especially like these kids out at chaotic in Boston, the training they're getting isn't just what we had where it was in ring and safety. And here's how to make a character. Here's all, all this. It's here's how to maintain your Twitter. Here's how to market yourself. Here's mm. why you need to film promos. Here's how you film promos on your own. Just use your phone. Who cares? Get the content out. Like if, if kids from my school had had that training, some of them might still be around now. Right. And uh, I was lucky. I was a nerd. And I'd done video sketch stuff with my friends for years. So I just, the first thing I did, like the day of my first match was run to Best Buy and spend $200 I didn't have to get a digital video camera so I could record my matches and put them on YouTube. Mm -hmm. yep. And because it was pre-smartphones still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm an old man. And uh, <laughs> uh, now with the smartphones, it's like I, I record everything. I mean, shit, if we, if we stop somewhere and there's like, you know, something cool at the truck stop, the phone comes out, guys, take my picture with this. I need it for the gram. I need it for this. Mm -hmm. And even if I never use it, like you got to get it. You know, we, we went to Texas, got to stop at Bucky's and get your picture yep. with Bucky. Right. Love you know, uh, going, going up to Canada, there's a giant moose at one of the truck, one of the, one of the truck stops. Oh, I've got to take my picture by the moose, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, and, I still have to like, ingrain that into myself because you know it it's just it, especially for some people that just like aren't on social media as much like it's not so much second nature to them it's like you kind of it, it it's hard for people to kind of grasp how much attention and focus and energy you actually have to put into that stuff because you yeah. do kind of have to do it for professional reasons you know you absolutely do i mean yeah of, of the wrestlers who have gone from unknown or even just indie level talent, if we want to call it that, to on a major platform in the last eight years, there's one dude I can think of who didn't have a Twitter. It's Timothy Thatcher. And that's it. The rest of them were on Twitter and had presences. They posted yeah. gifts from their matches. They retweeted stuff about them. They shared flyers from shows. You know, Timothy Thatcher only made it because he's he's Timothy Thatcher. He <laughs> right. was always he most people don't know. I, I I knew him from California. He was a Sacramento guy. I wrestled for his home promotion, uh, Supreme Pro Wrestling. And then he was also an APW mainstay where I uh, I was a mainstay there uh, in the Roland Alexander days. <laughs> Again, I'm old. Um, and uh, he was always going to make it. We all knew. He'd been turning down offers from that company for like nine years before he signed because his shoot job paid him too much. He was like, no, I, I don't want to give up my job and risk something that's uncertain with you people. You'll have to offer me a lot more than that if you want to sign me. And they'd go, oh, well, we'll think about it. And then they'd come back and offer him more and he'd go, I got a raise since then. It's still not. Enough. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what the money ended up being, but it had to have been good because I, I, I was aware of a few of the offers he turned down and uh, I wouldn't have turned them down. <laughs> right. Oh, That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a good position to be in if you can. Right. Seriously. Right. No, I mean, no, you're worth it. You, you bring up a good point. Cause I think that's when Kevin and I, in our previous iteration of our show, when we kind of pivoted from being like solely WWE focused to kind of turning to indie wrestling, like that's how I, that's how I started discovering you know, at the time I was living in Dallas. So that's where I, I started to learn about 
you know, Chandler Hopkins, um, Sammy Guevara, uh, you know, uh, hell, Thunder Rosa and, and all of the bunch down there and everything they were doing. It was just, I'd follow one of them on Twitter, see who they had recently wrestled. They tag their opponent in there. I would kind of look at their profile and follow them. And it's, it's just a web that's just gone out from that point. So, and that's a super useful thing for indie wrestlers too, because that's how we find out about promotions in a certain area. And, and usually how we, we get in there, we have to, you know, you know, somebody. Right. It's a, uh, I, and I, I, I try so hard to see like the good of social media because it, it, it can be kind of an ugly place. Um, you know, like, but I, I think of things like what's going on in Twitter, with Twitter today with like the Suzuki incident, like that's been a fun part of, of wrestling Twitter is to see everybody talking about where they were when the Suzuki incident happened. And, and it's like, so there's, there's good moments and then seeing wrestlers interact with each other, I think could be fun too. So I try to, that's, that's what we try with our social media is just to kind of promote the positive stuff and not be so, so negative because it can get kind of ugly at, at certain times, but that's, that's been my favorite part is like, being introduced i think that that's how i was introduced to you was i i think delmi had tweeted out about something bo burnham related and then you had commented on it and then i was like oh shit i like bo burnham too and boom that's that's how it takes off so yeah yeah i find most of my fans find me through delmi (laughs) i love i love them i like i said i was i got to see them in austin uh a couple years ago as well as dallas and uh they were just the sea stars are so much fun. Like if, yeah, if they're, you, they're a delight. It, yeah. It's the best way to like, I, I've, I've only seen them wrestle as a tag team. I know they've, they've done some solo matches and I, I think even on AEW, I think Ashley's kind of wrestled solo. No, have, have they wrestled as a tag team on AEW yet? They, uh, they've done a couple AEW okay. tags and at least one. Uh, I know Ashley was a singles there at least I think twice. And yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, super proud every time it happens because like like when when i say that to me they're like kid sisters that's that's not it's it's i mean it started as a running gag on twitter but like it's it's legit like you know i talk to them pretty much daily and you know if if not seeing them because uh delmi where she lives with rip is only 20 minutes from here ashley's a little further out so i don't see her as often but uh you know limitless is a couple times a month up in maine and they're both on there all the time and uh, while I'm not technically on the main shows there, I'm I'm always there to help out because so many of my friends are there, and uh, you know often I'm I'm used as like backstage interviewer, which is a uh, quite a sight to see since I tower over everyone on the <laughs> roster. <laughs> yeah, I, I do the the Kevin Kelly uh, stance. I don't. If, yeah, if do you're not aware. It's a, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go for I did that next to I did that next to Layla Hirsch when she was up there, who's also a, a really close friend. Uh, and she like before the cameras were rolling, she turns and looks at me and she goes, really? <laughs> like she thought she thought I was just being a dick. And I was like, I do that. I've been doing that for everybody. Oh, I and do she it was like, I do it for everyone. So halfway through her interview, she like stops herself and turns and looks at me and goes, it's good to see you, Perry. <laughs> and then she like looks me up and down confused. So I just sheepishly stood up to my full height and she goes, yeah. And finished her promo. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, if, if you want to see that, it'll air Thursday on IWTV, uh, Limitless's show that's airing for the first time on Thursday. Uh, I'm a backstage interviewer on that show. Nice. Awesome. I'll look, I've, I have, I've followed Limitless and Blitzkrieg Pro on social media, but I, I do need to take in their shows a lot more. Uh, so I'll be adding those to the playlist. Two of my favorite places in the Northeast. Like, uh, just just fantastic. Great, great backstage vibe. Everybody's cool. Everybody's friendly. Everyone's supportive. Uh, and you wouldn't know that watching the shows because it's such a high level of performance. Mm-hmm. Like, usually at a show that's like that, there's a lot of, like, side-eye backstage and, like, a, you know, there's some ego going on. But at these places, like anyone who comes in acting like that just doesn't get brought back. It doesn't matter how good they are on the show. Good. Damn. We need more of that in the Midwest. I, I could have used more of it in California when I was out there. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the young trainees at APW did not like me when I was first brought in because I was pushed right away and they didn't know 
who I was or where I came from. And I was just this pudgy pale guy who did nothing in his matches. I was like classic beg off heel. And they like the first night I was in the company, they had aired promos about my debut for like five months prior at their shows and on their TV. And then my first night there, they had me win three matches straight in a row to win their young lions cup and then come out and attack the champion at the end of the main event. (laughs) And I found out that the next month, a bunch of like the young trainees who were like still friends of mine now had like pooled money together and gone to this guy who was the champ and were like, can you just pop him one time for real? Just right in the face. Like they, they were like trying to pay him (laughs) off to hit me. And, uh, apparently that's it. Well, apparently I found, I found this out from the champion. Then again, I'm also not naming a lot of names, but with the proper YouTube searching, everyone could figure it out. He told me later, he said, yeah, I was going to give it like halfway through the match. And if I didn't think you were any good on my comeback, I was totally going to blast you and take their money. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so I was all right. He goes, no, you were great. It was a blast. It was a perfect match. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm glad. That's comforting. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. balls of those young kids. I swear. Oh, they, they, uh, I was the first person to ever win the Young Lions Cup and make it a thing. Like I brought it out with me every, every month at the shows. And uh, after about the third show, one of those little fuckers stole it. <laughs> he stole the damn cup. And what I went fuck? and I told Roland, I said, someone took the cup. And he was like, you check everywhere? I go, yep. And he goes, huh. he pulls out his wallet and hands me a small stack of 20s and told me the name of the local trophy shop. He goes, just get another one. <laughs> and so I went and got, it cost their promoter money. I went and got another one. And like, I had wow. to like hide it in between segments. Oh, yeah. We oh. were still going for it. What the fuck? Dude, yeah. I can't imagine what would have happened to us if we'd done anything half as bad as that shit. If I had been anyone other than myself, I would have beat the shit out of one of those kids. <laughs> right. But yeah. I, uh, regardless of my size, I'm about as intimidating in person as I come off on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so just you like... Know, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad I thing. I will say, I will say of their rookies at that time, the one that I know wasn't involved in all of it is the only one who's like gone on to do stuff. And that's uh Hobbs Gee. on AEW. Oh, it's wow. Funny yeah. How that Dude, works. Really isn't Hobbs, it? Yeah. 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 It's yeah, so it's, it's, interesting how that pans out. It's almost like if you focus on your own shit and just try to be good rather than being pissed that someone else gets a chance, maybe you'll excel. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's, you could almost be in a major feud with CM Punk just coming out, you know? Yeah, like, maybe maybe you can brawl with Sting on national television a few times. Right? <laughs> Man. Maybe. Yeah, it, there, was, there was a brief period where I felt like AEW Dark was a rib on me. <laughs> I was like, how is there someone in every one of these matches that I've jobbed to? It was like every match. <laughs> like there were people on that show where I was their first match. Uh, Aaron Solo, who's part of uh, the Nightmare Crew. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness! I was his first ten matches, <laughs> ten shows in a row. All right, am I back? You're back. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh yeah. Laptop was uh was done, so I've switched over to the phone. Oh. That's about right. Switcheroo. We were just getting ready to wrap up, I think. So the laptop was not, uh, didn't want to wait for me. Hey, he's back. That's fair. It's that or or the uh, the AEW police heard you talking about some of their talent. And we're like, we're just cutting that off. The ghost of Roland Alexander was like, what'd you say went on in my locker room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like at least, at least when Roland wanted to rib me with the trophy, it was funny. Like, <laughs> We'd put the trophy at the announce table and he would sit there at every show. And I came back to do an interview and found it filled with wrappers from the gum he was chewing all night. (laughs) But didn't notice it till I was mid promo. So I've got it in one hand and I'm like gesturing and all of a sudden there's all these wrappers. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. 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 Well, I think I think with the the laptop cutting out, that's probably our cue to get you on your way. Um, yeah. I think bef- before we let you go, you did talk about before we started recording that uh, you wanted to show off some some uh, exclusive merch uh, that folks yeah. can get when they come and see you live. 
Yeah, you know, obviously, like any wrestler who will speak in any public situation, I will plug my pro wrestling tees, pro wrestling tees.com slash Perry Von Vicious for some great shirts. But uh, I got a 3D printer a few months ago and started awesome. teaching myself to model. Uh, so I have here, uh, this is a Perry Von Vicious figurine. Hell yeah. Uh, and assuming the camera picks it up. It does say vicious across the back. Nice. It looks vaguely like me, although uh, his abs are a little better. <laughs> sort of an aspirational figure. Uh, he is to scale with the old Kenner Star Wars figure. So if you want to put him in an X-Wing, nice. I would appreciate it. Perfect. Uh, and then because I am the, uh, the human monster truck and also a kid of the 80s, uh, I made a uh, Hot Wheels matchbox scale perry von vicious monster truck that does in fact roll just like it should and uh pvv on the hood and if you look that's me driving wow <laughs> so uh yeah when 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 i'm at shows uh, your kids are gonna love them your adults are gonna love them and uh, i'm gonna love your money <laughs> hell yeah perfect <laughs> and uh so what what are gonna be some upcoming shows that people can see you at sure uh, uh this friday uh the 17th uh, I'm going to be in Dedham, Massachusetts for NCW. And uh, on Saturday, the 18th, uh, I'm going to be in Springfield, Massachusetts for Blitzkrieg Pro. I'm uh, teaming with Jeremy Leary to take on Jeff Cannonball and Ultra Mantis Black. So that's, uh, that's going to be huge. That's a match I'm really looking forward to. Hell yeah, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. And uh, looking forward to watching uh, Limitless on IWTV. Uh, as well so perry thank you so much for for hanging out with us today yeah um we will we will have to have you on again because we didn't talk any homestar runner like i was hoping to bring Ah, up ah Uh, so ah. yeah so we'll have to have you on again we'll just read another thing that i had no idea what you were talking about son of a bitch i know all right now you have time to catch up between now and then watch your homestar runner check your emails there you go So, uh, yeah, but again, I thank you so much for hanging out with us. This has been awesome, and uh, we look forward to having you on again. And hopefully we can get you booked here in, in the Midwest and get you in Kansas City at some point. That's that's the hope. Absolutely. Please do. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, uh, I'd, I'd love to be flown out, but I'm open to doing the drive. Me and, uh, me and the guys, me and Rip, we love long drives. We always find cool stuff to hit on the way. Uh, oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, totally, totally all in on that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's, that's what, that's, you know, that's what we like to hear. And, and hopefully we'll, we'll get the word out with our audience and uh, mm-hmm. get you guys booked out around here. That'll be great. So awesome. uh, thank you again. Thank you so much uh, with that. As always, folks, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us. Uh, we will see you again next week. And with that later nerds. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.